By now you've probably heard of BTS. If not, they're a South Korean boy band who are the best-selling Korean artists in their country's history. What most of you probably don't know much about is ARMY. Maybe you've seen it around often associated with BTS. Well, ARMY is the name their fans call themselves. They are a global movement in and of themselves, but also carry a little controversy at times. In this episode, I spoke with Omer, a PhD in material engineering, but also a loyal member of ARMY. She has over 45,000 Twitter followers to date where she posts about BTS and has a YouTube channel called Planet Army with over 100,000 subscribers. I talked to her to find out a little bit more about the BTS fandom, ARMY. Omar, I want to thank you for joining me today. Hi, I'm happy to. So starting off, I want to ask you, boy band fans are often stereotyped as these kind of screaming teenagers, right? But before you agreed to do this interview, you said that you hoped I wasn't running the, you know, screaming teenager fangirl narrative. So I want you to tell me, who are the people who make up ARMY? I would say most ARMY are actually over 30, at least over 25 for sure. It's a very, very diverse fandom. We have all genders, all races, from all cultures, religions, like anything you can pick up. It's very, very diverse, and we are very proud of that. So does ARMY stand for something? <laughs> That's kind of a funny question. It does. BTS, well, sorry, it was BTS. BTS stands for Bangtan uh, Sonyeondan, which means in Korean, Bulletproof Boy Scouts. So the whole point was that they are a shield between all the hard expectations that are put on youth. And all those attacks that youth often get for being lazy or for not finding a job soon and not knowing what they want to do with their lives and all that and like falling down to society's uh, pressure and the uh, adult generation's expectations and protecting the youth from that and standing up for youth. So they were our bulletproof Boy Scouts. They protected us. And... ARMY stands for Adorable Representative MC of Youth. And ARMY are their, who they protect and who help them do that. How does one actually become part of ARMY? Are you ARMY if you simply like their music? You know, to be frank, I'm a fan of BTS, but I don't actively engage with the community online or anything. Do I have to do that to be considered ARMY? Is there some sort of secret group online that you have to be part of to be ARMY? Oh, there is the handshake. Oh, there's a handshake. No, no, no. no oh. <laughs> oh, you got me. You got me. Honestly, you got me. No, um, I, think, I think every person decides for themselves when they become an army or whether they're just a casual fan, which is perfectly fine to be. Like, you don't have to be an army to appreciate someone's music. But you can be a casual fan and still consider yourself an army. I, I think it's very, like, individual. For me, it was when I joined uh, Twitter because I wasn't on Twitter before I liked BTS and engaging with the fandom, voting for awards and supporting them uh, in streaming financially, all that makes me more engaged in the fandom and makes me feel like I'm a part of something. Uh, so that took it for me from being just a casual fan to a part of the fandom. But I think, anyway, each person decides for himself. It's fine if you just listen to the music. There's nothing wrong with that. And you can consider yourself an army. Gotcha. So if I just, if I decide on this podcast right now, I'm army, I'm in, that's it. Yeah. If I yeah. listen to their music, I like their music. I'm a fan. I can say, all right, I'm army and I'm in the fandom. Yeah. And I know you mentioned Twitter. Is Twitter really the main place where army kind of organizes online? Obviously, we have different social media apps and you have Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and all that and TikTok now. And each one has a different sort of community sense. Um, so TikTok army and YouTube army and Twitter army all act differently. But Twitter army is where everything gets organized. Like I said, it's where we decide stuff where we make plans and where we spread it outward to the other other parts of the fandom 
So definitely Twitter army are the most engaged. It's where you get the news the fastest. It's where you know what's going on. It's where you can really keep your uh, finger on the pulse and know what's going on. Are there any like individual leaders of army? Uh, I don't think so. I do think there are some big accounts, but it's so spread out and there are so many of them that I don't think there's like a few leaders. We do have a few accounts that are a bit more, they have a certain purpose, okay? They're not just accounts that are general, just tweeting stuff out. They have a goal. So we have translator account because in the beginning, there were no translations for anything. So when the fandom grew to be more international, the Korean side of the fandom started translating for international army uh, stuff. So we have translators and we have, we have accounts that are dedicated to streaming and to support streaming and to encourage people to stream. We have accounts for charity work and donations. We have accounts that organize buying albums and buying songs. So like we said, it's a very organized fandom and there are accounts that are dedicated for that. But it's not like these accounts rule the fandom or lead the fandom. They just are such support pillars of the fandom instead. They help lift us up. They don't like rule from the top. Does ARMY, do you think that you guys actually affect sales and streams for the band? And if so, how do you all do it exactly? Oh, we definitely do. It's not a question. <laughs> yeah, because I think it's very important to remember that before BTS, K-pop was, yeah, you had like one group here, but only like the Korean in the US would know them. But it wasn't this thing. It wasn't that big. At first, because BTS doesn't have a lot of standing in the US and they have to push for everything they get, they really need the fandom support for that. They don't, they aren't played on radio. So all their success comes from their, the fandom pushing it forward. And we ask stuff from Big Hit to let us pay more. Like um, we ask in the, them to get us to, to push uh, vinyls. And this time they gave us vinyls and cassettes and, and like, it's really driven by the fandom. We set goals, so so it's definitely fan-driven. There are goals. We know how much we want to buy albums before they come out. We push them forward. In my research, I read some theories that like army members have like stream parties or stream hours where everybody gets online and just streams, you know, nonstop all BTS songs. Is that true? And what other concrete things do you guys do? Like, do you guys tweet people who are not in the fandom and try to get them to actively stream? Do you tweet radio personalities? What are some concrete things that you guys do? We definitely have streaming parties. They're really fun. They're very engaging. We do them every week. It's just fun. It's not like no one, it's not mandatory. You don't have to do it. <laughs> No one counts how many times you participated in a streaming party. Again, we try to bridge the gap of lack of radio play. One of the ways to do it is to stream. They have over 200 songs. So there's a lot of songs to stream. So so it's really just first for fun. And second, on weeks where it's relevant, it's to push a single or an album forward. But regarding reaching out to others... We don't try to convince anyone to join a streaming party. Definitely not someone outside the fandom, not even someone inside the fandom. Like I said, we have an account that like posts about uh, streaming parties. They say like at this time, this day, we're doing this streaming party. Come join us. Sometimes you don't know what songs we're streaming. So it's really fun because it's like super random and they have like such a long catalog. So you never know what you're going to get. Um, and sometimes it's very organized and, you know, ahead of time. But as far as reaching out to radio DJs and stuff like that, we, in 2017, when BTS wasn't big, there was a, problem, uh, a project called the 50 States Radio Project. 
And the point of it was to get DJs to play BTS songs. And back then, BTS was a very big unknown. It's before they performed for the first time on US television. So people reached out and contacted DJ and said, please, can you play this song? And there were groups from each state trying to get local DJs to play. And a lot of DJs were really mean. They were, they were insulting people. They, like people sent them um, flowers and cupcakes and presents. And so they did all this stuff. And it turned out they had a group chat where they just bashed on BTS constantly uh one of the djs there like left that group because he actually liked bts and he like really spilled everything and and so people like really gave up on all that and getting support from the industry and media and we had like a lot of issues with printed media as well so we really constantly feel like we're on our own with this back to the streaming parties for a second where do these take place? Do they take place on some sort of live stream on Twitch, on YouTube? Is it just everybody kind of does it, the, the tweet goes out, everybody does it, and then kind of adds to the Twitter about what's happening? Where do they exist? You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, so they exist on Twitter. And there usually would be a streaming party would be on Spotify usually or Apple Music or one of these apps. We live in a Korean standard time on this fandom. <laughs> So so it's like 12 a.m. Korean Sturgeon time. We have uh, a streaming party and then you just like post screenshots if you want or you can just, there's a hashtag that you can trend. So it's just, it's just for fun. Like again, like no one's keeping count. We just, if you want, you join, you stream. Uh, they're usually about one hour. So how much of BTS's global success do you think is actually credited to ARMY? I know you can't actually say, but give me like <laughs> an arbitrary percentage. <laughs> how much is global success uh very much so i would say like it's both because unless if the music isn't good and if it if it's just even if the music is good but doesn't have a message behind it or substance behind it then it can only get you so far right we all know those pop songs but they usually just go away after a while very few of them actually stay so it has to have real substance when especially considering that it's mostly in korean to be able to jump over the over oceans and be relatable all over the world it has to have a very good message and a very good material to work with so it first is the music <laughs> and the lyrics um and after that it's the fandom so i would say like it's completely random number of uh, 35% fandom driven. And you also see that as true is that BTS was actually more of a global phenomenon before they were even a Korean phenomenon. Is that true? Um, as a non-Korean, <laughs> I, I don't want to say over like something and I wasn't a part of the fandom back then. But yeah, like the stories about BTS, BTS came from a very small company and the hoops they had to jump through in Korea, just to get a tiny bit of notice are truly like horror stories. They would invite them to events and they said, oh, no, you're not performing. Or there's like a video of them, like they were invited to like this award show or something. And then the organizer said, you're not going to perform. So they performed after the confetti was out, after everyone left, all the other performers the event was done. That's when they came up to perform because they said, our fans are here, so we're going to perform. Or they would get shut out of so many things. They were forced to like, perform at the, in the cold. And yeah, they, like, they would were invited to all these variety shows and treated like crap. It's so, it's just horrible to see because there's like footage of all of it. And that's just like the tip of the iceberg. They were accused of stuff and and ridiculed being an army was was like an uh, an insult and you were made fun of people were bullied in korea for being army there were death threats you were targeted if you were an army it really was very painful times like until may 2016 it was like we may 2016 is known in the fandom as the may of terror 
because of an uprising death threats and trending hate hashtags and all that. So like in real life, people get bullied in real life. We're not just talking about Twitter. Why did that happen? Do you have any idea why were people ridiculed for being BTS fans? BTS were very different from the start. They weren't the classic idol group. They came from a background of rap. They did songs that were against the the way the current society is, against how the youth is treated. And most of all, they came from a tiny, tiny company in a country that's very, has a lot of importance on your standing in life. Like the more money you have, the more important you are. BTS didn't have any money. They were on the verge of bankruptcy. People were set on crushing them. Like it wasn't just like, oh, let's let them try and play with the big boys and and watch them fail. No, it was like active from the top to try. They were accused of plagiarism of some, and considering the fact that they write their own lyrics, it's really ridiculous. Like they were accused of plagiarism for uh, choosing a hair color or wearing an outfit. And there were petitions for them to break. Uh, for the group to break up there it, it was insane when they won their first award like people couldn't handle it i was gonna ask this question of you know do you think army has changed the music industry if so how but listening to you it seems like almost army hasn't really changed the, the music industry but rather they've sort of created their own lane within the music industry would you say that's true uh yeah yeah i would i think Army does bring notice to a lot of faults in the music industry because the thing is we are organized and we study and we find because we are trying to get BTS to do something no Asian artist has done before and to do it steadily, not just for one song. Like you had Gangnam Style, but that was like a standalone meme song and it started as a joke. It wasn't even like even the song itself is a parody of K-pop. It's not really K-pop. So trying to do that consistently, ARMY studied how the U.S. uh, media and radio worked. And what we found out is that actually DJs don't decide the music that they're playing. It's a station. And what we found out is that how terrible bundles are. Like every artist you see, besides BTS, keeps using bundles. And that means what bundles is, is that when you buy a sweatshirt, you get an album. And when you buy a concert ticket, you get an album. And basically that's how you inflate album sales by pretending to sell albums. And until not long ago, you didn't even have to charge extra for it. So like the price of the cardigan or the condoms or the energy drinks or whatever it is you sold that came with an album and without an album, it would cost exactly the same. And we call that out and and it's, it's actually, it's really terrible for the artists themselves because it means they're not getting money for their music. That's why they do these really intense tours because the only way artists these days get money is from tours. But with BTS, that's not the case. ARMY buys their music first and they don't do bundles. So we call it out. So now a bundle has to cost a bit more <laughs> or something like that. And uh, there was a problem with the way YouTube counted views. So that had to be fixed. So ARMY is sort of like watching the industry and keeps calling stuff out that isn't right. And sometimes the world listens and sometimes it usually doesn't. And these, they make these tiny adjustments. But yeah, we, we work in parallel to them. But you're saying, you know, most of the times they don't listen. But even if they listen one out of 100, it's worth it because you're at least affecting some change. Yeah, I think so. Like even now, like think how many tours got canceled because of COVID. And artists aren't, they, they don't tour, they don't make money. So a lot of them are really big problems. And all these companies all these label companies are in really, really big problems. And in fact, Big Hit, which is BTS's company, just presented their biggest half year yet. 
during COVID. During said. COVID, with the whole world stadium tour canceled. Yeah, and they even donated like two million dollars, one million for Black Lives Matter, and one million for the uh, Live Nation organization that does like they do all the tours, and now all their personnel are unemployed because there are no tours. So BTS and their company donated one million dollars to them as well. Um, so despite all that, like they even have money to donate and to support the industry. It's worth complaining about this stuff, especially when you see it constantly happening. We had, like, you see even a company like iHeart. iHeart has 850 radio stations in the US, but they are in such big problems. They have a debt. They had a debt of $16 billion, which the government reduced to $6 billion and they can't seem to catch up on. And instead of working with ARMY and like doing, like if they do like one hour of BTS, okay, we will tune in, we will listen and they can put all their ads they want and get money from ads, but they don't do that, right? They don't do anything to work with ARMY. Like I said, the last song got zero radio play on their stations. It's such a weird situation because they could use our help so much and we could use theirs because we need that radio play for charts. I'm really curious about this half year earnings from BTS. And like you said, most artists make money from touring. Is this, and especially during COVID, that they've made more money in this half year than ever before. Is that strictly through the army just pushing with all their might streams and iTunes buys and YouTube plays and merchandise sales and things like that? Definitely a lot of the earnings that Big Hit had was a result of BTS and the fandom support. Like we bought a lot of albums, we bought merch. There was a there was a concert, an online concert, at which 756,000 people tuned in to see and that cost money. They keep popping stuff out. There are reality shows, variety shows. They're, they're just constantly put out stuff. We can't catch up. It's not... <laughs> Like, it's very hard to catch up in the fandom. There were movies that came out. There was uh, a behind the scenes of the late, their latest tour. So there's a lot of content. And some of that content, not all of it, but some of that content costs money. So they now put out uh, a Learn Korean with BTS booklets. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. For example, right, like in the 60s, a lot of bands and their fans began pushing this sort of peace and love ideology, right? It sort of sprang up as this like, you know, movement almost in mm -hmm. the 60s with a lot of bands in the, of that time. Is there sort of a collective ideology like that within ARMY? Um, well, when you say the 60s, I think it's more a product of the time rather than the because you had like, right, like. Uh, people were like saying make love not war and all that and it's less I think specifically the group's messages and more like the vibe of the the world right um, but a lot of it did a lot of it did come from a lot of the popular groups at the time definitely definitely it came because they when they are artists and not uh people that other people write stuff too. They they have a voice. They want to say it, and usually those people tend to be a bit more liberal, a bit more open, and yeah. And I think BTS, a lot like them, are also more liberal, more open, and they encourage very positive thinking and very to be kind to one another. And they had an anti-bullying campaign and the whole. Love Yourself campaign, I think, really defined the fandom. And I wouldn't call it an ideology of the fandom, but I think definitely we strive to have a positive impact. And whether it's just with uh, making sure <laughs> xenophobic com uh, comments are not brushed off, so we stand up for that, or whether it's by donating money and supporting charities and doing that sort of work. So I think ARMY definitely tries to have a positive impact. It's less um, love and peace 
and more first love yourself and then show that love to others and be kind to others. I heard that after they, they, so we're talking right after they published their NPR Tiny Desk concert. I heard right after ARMY started donating to NPR. Is that true? Mm-hmm. Have yeah. you heard that to be true? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We do it all the time. Like for people who are nice to BTS, we try to, a lot of them usually have a charity they work with. So when they were on Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Fallon did a whole special episode with BTS, we donated to to a charity he supports when they were on James Corden and he did carpool karaoke with them and he did a second episode with them and it was really cute and they were that and he also was like the first person that BTS performed on his show that had BTS on his show so Army also donated to a charity he supports. And now, for example, Jimmy Fallon is doing a whole week of BTS. So again, Army contacted them and said, listen, what charity do you want us to donate to? We will. Let us know. Uh, so yeah, we, we do that all the time. If you're nice to BTS, a charity of your choice will get some money, definitely. <laughs> so I, let's talk about what happens if you're not, not nice to BTS. Because... There's also another sign of this coin because ARMY is sort of become known in some cases to sort of quote unquote come for people online who yes, disparage. Yes, we're very toxic. Uh, well, well, you know, they, they ha- you, you, there, there have been, you know, there have been occurrences where, you know, if people disparage BTS or K-pop in general or they even, you know, disagree with them on a certain topic not even pertaining to the band. Sometimes there have been known uh, sometimes army has been known to really attack those people. And I did a little bit of research before we talked and there's some vulgar stuff out there and even sometimes some, some threats. So yes. I'm wondering, do you think army can be too harsh sometimes and often too quick to attack people online? Uh, I think first off, we have to remember that the fandom on Twitter has like 28 million followers like BTS has 28 million followers so if you take like one percent of that that's a lot of people so obviously if and usually most fandom have a lot of crappy people in them like especially like if fandom this big they're obviously going to be some people that would do they would rush to do death threats they would do all kinds of stuff which not me and not any army I know would ever be okay with, okay? If I see a death threat, I don't care if I know that person, I don't know the person, I don't care what they said, I'm reporting that account. It doesn't even matter. Honestly, if all those people that claim that they're getting death threats will just screenshot it, army will report those accounts. We don't stand for it. It's not a part of the fandom. It's not what we're saying. We try to be very, to explain our opinion, to vocalize it like properly we usually have data to support it so definitely death threats attacks like personal attacks they're not it it's not us but obviously like we can't control people like army isn't a hive mind um so and it's not like someone who says oh that person get them (laughs) there's no one that does that um but yeah if you're gonna half ass and or actually something happened today it's kind of funny that we're talking about it now back when i talked to omer she told me a story of an emblematic army twitter feud back in late 2020 ann mcelvoy senior editor at the economist tweeted please no that's n-o in response to news that bts had given a quote message of hope at the 75th annual u.n assembly Army did not like this, to say the least, and went after McElvoy on Twitter. McElvoy attempted to diverge the onslaught by stating she was making just a joke, but the Twitter beef only intensified when British TV personality Anne Haggerty defended McElvoy by calling BTS a little Korean boy band that's fundamentally not important. Yeah, you can imagine Army was upset. First off, saying little and Asian often goes as a... Uh insult it's like a very common insult against asian so what saying little and diminishing everything they've done and then adding the korean to it why did that have to be there is it the the, them being korean makes it less than 
Like, why is that there? And the thing is, that's exactly it. It's those all these tiny microaggressions against people of color because what? They're not as important. They're not, they don't have anything to say. They can't be part. Is it because they're a boy band? Is that the problem here? And that's the thing. Like when someone with a blue check mark writes something, things tend to escalate very, very quickly. There are certain people that do it on purpose to get a rise. Yeah, you can. Yeah, because you get interactions. And then you have people like obviously making racist comments immediately. And they're like, no, but I didn't mean to. It's not what I wanted. But dude, that's exactly why. And the thing is, like, it's all this stuff that add up. It's not a single thing. It never is a single thing. We've seen Asian racism on the rise since the start of COVID-19. Uh, because of a certain uh, president who loved to call it a certain way. Um, yeah, and it, it happened all over the world, obviously, not just in the U.S. Um, so so it's something that you can't just silently walk by. Um, so I want to ask you a question sort of from the perspective of somebody looking from the outside in, right? Let's use that example of what happened between the senior editor at The Economist and army right someone who doesn't you know doesn't dislike or like bts doesn't dislike or like her they might watch that happen right and this giant twitter feud ensues right and they watch it from the outside and they think oh man this is pretty toxic you know this is sort of slack even when if racism is coming up this is sort of slacktivism it doesn't actually make a difference and it's kind of just two sides arguing with each other that'll never really kind of find common ground what would you say to somebody who said that to you? Uh, I'd say I completely understand. It does get, it also, get, like, even if you are part of the fandom, it gets overwhelming. It's a lot. Uh, and I can imagine seeing from the outside or being a part of it, it it's, it's very hard to be a part of it, even, like, even when you are a part of the fandom. So I can't imagine, like, watching from the outside and seeing all that, you can very easily think um, that people are toxic or that they're fighting needlessly, they're just looking for it, or I don't know. But I think if people actually stop to read, most of the comments are very well explained. They they talk about why it's a problem. They don't just watch, oh, you're, you're a bitch, you're, I don't know, you're a bad person, you said this and this, how dare you? It's not that. It's usually a lot more eloquent and there are, we have writers in our fandom that write for the Atlantic, that write for a variety, that write for USA Today. So people know how to express themselves. It's not just kids running around getting angry. It's people that are eloquent. Also, we're very used to it by now. So we don't just rush to attack usually. So you get a lot of tweets, but they usually are very explaining and polite about what's going on and why it's a problem the thing is people don't actually read them so uh only when you make a joke about another person only that person can decide whether it's a joke or not so you can't say stuff lightly and you can't just put stuff up as oh it's just a joke oh i'm being sarcastic oh this is satire no, stuff doesn't work like that anymore. This is 2020. We don't just joke about people's ethnicities or religion or stuff like that. This is old way of viewing the world. We don't do that anymore because we know it. this kind of stuff, they escalate. More people use them and it gets worse. You can't just, it doesn't stand alone. And it offends people needlessly. There's no point for that. So they don't really want to have a healthy discussion on it. They just want to create, make it worse and worse. You mentioned earlier that, you know, ARMY has done things like donate to Black Lives Matter, um, which has become in the U.S. actually a very politically charged issue. And I think also ARMY was um, involved with Trump's Tulsa rally and they helped um, buy tickets and, you know, essentially create empty seats at his rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So army has sort of, you know, inserted themselves in a few um, political circumstances, right? So I'm wondering if you think that army has sort of developed a political agenda. 
No, definitely not. I think Black Lives Matter at the heart of it isn't a political matter. You're either racist or you're not. You can't be pro-racist, <laughs> pro-racism. It's just, it, it, it doesn't make any sense. So at the heart of it, Black Lives Matter, I think, is not a political movement. Obviously, it's being used as one, which is why like our donations were spread to a variety of charities. And we always, the, the group that organizes this always verifies the charities beforehand they make sure that they're that really goes to good places so it's not a that wasn't a political thing definitely regarding the trump thing i mean it wasn't just army so it's wrong to take that credit for it i think it's a lot of k-pop fans a lot of teenagers on tiktok or people on tiktok that they had so that was a more inclusive thing and the Tulsa thing people didn't actually buy tickets you just RSVP and if people would come and there were empty seats they would have been let in because it's like first come first serve first seat I guess and people just didn't come (laughs) so they did create a bigger expectation and they decided to build a ramp and all that and like do get more chairs and do something like that but but they didn't prevent people from showing up to that thing. <laughs> right. But to, to, to play devil's advocate here, they would say that, well, by BTS Army even attempting to kind of skew a presidential campaign rally, they have inserted themselves in the political arena a little bit. Uh, I would agree if that was the case. But as I said, like, A, this isn't, this wasn't like, organized by army most of it was on tiktok uh, and it was just k-pop fans in general like we're not united as k-pop fans it's not it's not a thing uh so like it's u.s citizens doing that mostly so you're sort of saying that the the trump thing one it wasn't mainly army yes army may have been part of it but it wasn't like an army organized thing yeah right? definitely not and two, you know, these were individuals who made the decision to do this. And it wasn't really, again, a collective thing of let's go after Trump necessarily. And if you were to go after Trump, it's more for his xenophobia, his racism than his political ideology. Yes, I would say that. I I, I don't think we were trying to, like, get a campaign against Trump here. Again, like people are from all over the world. We all have different political views. We all have different races, different religions. This fandom is too diverse for something like that and also it's not what we're about uh so i definitely don't think we're trying to get trump voted or voted out some describe army as like sort of social justice warriors right and that term has sort of taken a bit of a negative connotation recently it's been a while okay for a while yeah it's been sort of yeah for a while it's had sort of a negative connotation I'm curious, as an as army, as you know, an individual, do you wear that that badge proudly? Army usually deals with xenophobic comments. That's like the main thing that we have to deal with a lot of times. I think like when we see something bad, we say it. We don't we don't ignore it, and that might rub people off the wrong way. I don't, I don't know if I would call it social justice warrior because we don't fight just for fighting sake. So I've actually had a few of my friends ask me this question because like I mentioned earlier, I, I am a fan of BTS. I listen to their music quite often, especially among my group of friends. I'm probably the, you know, the person who listens to them the most. And they asked me, um, you know, how, how can I connect so deeply to their songs without understanding the lyrics? Um, I'm American, so I speak English. You're Israeli, so I'm assuming you speak Hebrew and English. Well, obviously English. Um, so I want to, I want to, I want to put that question to you in terms of how can you connect so deeply without understanding the lyrics? First off, every MV nowadays has a English translation, uh, so that's easy. Um, um, but beyond that. Yeah, yeah, every sorry, every music video has an 
uh, English translations. So that's very easy and it's right there and you don't have to do anything extra to get it. Um, the other songs usually would have, the, we have army translators that translate everything. And since BTS usually, their songs are good as it is, they are catchy enough. They usually have enough English lyrics that you get the vibe. It's also enough to sing with and, and you, it's fine. Um, but the lyrics make it so much better because they have stuff to say. And the thing is that when you look at a translator's work, they usually add the Korean connotation to it. So it gets a lot more substance and you understand it better. And all of a sudden, the song that sounds fun becomes the most depressing song ever. Um, and a song that sounds really fun becomes like this anthem against uh, the boomer generation that keeps telling us, why can't you get a job? Why aren't you married? How come you don't have a house yet? I had all those things when I was your age. Um, so it really changes everything when you read the lyrics. And you, I think the lyrics are what makes people love them as deeply as ARMY does. Because it takes a lot for to have a fandom that passionate. It's not something that happens a lot. Like even like One Direction fans or Backstreet Boys fans back in the day weren't as organized and and weren't as driven. Yeah, they like their music. They, I'm sure, posted all this stuff and everything. Uh, but here there's, because they really connect with the fandom on, on a very personal level. They share their fears, they share their pain, they, they share their journey of just how unsure they are with themselves. And they're saying that it's okay. It's okay to not be 100% uh, sure about what you want, who you are. And th they're also giving you a roadmap to how to get to know yourself better. And they're taking that journey with you. And they're sharing all of it with you through their music, through their live streams, through their uh, variety shows. Um, they're constantly online. They are constantly on Twitter. They, we have an app, a second app called Weavers that they sometimes post there. Um, so they're very, very connected to the fans. We always joke that when uh, they go to interviews in the U.S. and people ask them, what do you want to tell your fans? They would say, oh, we told them when they dropped us off here um, before the interview, like dropping kids to school um, because we're constantly connected. So K-pop is often criticized in the media for being this sort of like toxic, overworked, factory-like industry. What do you think ARMY's thoughts are on this? Because they do care a lot about, <clears throat> you know, social issues, um, they care about other people that, you know, that there is that message from BTS. So what do you think the ARMY's thoughts are on this? Oh, that's, it's a very good question. Um, so first of um, K-pop, what some would assume is Korean pop music or Korean popular music is neither of those things. It's actually idol music. And idol music means that uh, it's music that are done by usually groups that are a product of uh, a company and they choose the people, they choose the music, they do all of that. They tell you what's your, they all have concepts, uh, very classic, like exactly what you would imagine the big bad manufacturing uh companies to do and create and the thing is that first off like creating music groups is not a asian thing or a korean thing it that's how the spice girls were created that's how the backstreet boys and nsync and the mickey mouse club and all these like motons back in the day groups were created like that so it's a very common way to create music it's labels taking artists they think are good and putting them together to be a new unit. Like One Direction are completely manufactured in that way. 
Um, so that's a very, very common thing. And uh, add to that that, yeah, this, these are uh, very intense performers. Like all these idol groups are performers in every aspect of the way. They sing, they dance, they put their heart out, but they usually aren't artists. They don't create, they don't decide the quarry or they don't have a creative input, which personally, I think it's okay. Like if you're a good singer, you don't have to know how to write lyrics because maybe it's, you don't write good, but you have such an amazing voice. It'd be a shame if you wouldn't sing. Um, but not having creative input is a problem. And I know a lot of people talk about just how long these idols like uh, study and work and how much they dance and put into it and like they train for 16 hours a day uh, which is true but again we have to take into account the uh, the Korean of it all which as I'm not a, again I'm not a Korean I don't want to speak on behalf of Korean people and this is from what I read and if it's wrong it's okay correct me I'm okay with that like I, I'd rather be educated and say my beliefs. Um, but the Korean, uh, the, the way the youth uh, study in school, they start their schedule like early in the morning and they're in classes until 10 p.m. at different settings, uh, but they're staying at some kind of school until 10, 11 p.m. at night. Uh, so that's a lot of study and a lot of work done. And sometimes they even have like private tutors until 1 a.m. Um, wow. Yeah, it's really intense. It's 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 a lot. So, so so you're saying it's sort of, again, you're not Korean, but you understand it as sort of part of the culture that worth that work sort of overwork ethic in yeah. a way. So what's the best part about being army? There's so much. <laughs> Give me, give me the top three things. Okay. The music, BTS, and the fandom. That's the top three. Like, the music is just... Because it's all about the music. Um, and the music is just... It's so important. It's a whole... Like, their whole album series, like all of them, it's a journey from adolescent to being a young adult. And... And I think, and, and it, it's against like, they have songs against the government. They have uh, like uppers and downers and all like every kind of song that you can think of. And they, but they always have a message, not, not a single song. Even if you listen to Boy With Love, which is like, I think one of their poppiest songs uh, yet. And it's not, the, the song itself is about their connection with ARMY. Uh, and it has all these tiny things that make up exactly that relationship that no one could possibly know unless they are army. And uh, so it's first off about the music. And BTS themselves, they are so... I've never seen a group of people act the way they do much less guys we're so used to toxic toxic masculinity and you know guys have to be tough and 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 crying for a week and um and all that and they're just such they they allow themselves to be vulnerable on camera and to show it and they're so their relationship with one another is something that we should all strive to have because it's so special and you can see that they truly love each other they care about one another um they they're so thoughtful about the final they have before that uh 2018 un speech they sit and they talk about uh what to talk about in the speech and they throw out ideas and then they talk about how hard it is to be a fan of a group like them because you're looked down upon, because uh, you're dismissed. 
uh, and they say how only real true connection and love uh, between people can do the things that army does uh, and that shows such deep understanding of the fandom um, that's really incredible and if and it's rarely seen they really appreciate just how diverse and unique this fandom is and you see it with everything they do again they constantly talk to us and i've never seen an artist act like that and be so open and be constantly there and the fandom is like having a family everywhere like i travel and i went to japan and if any army ever hears this podcast like <laughs> and they also hear my podcast they would know this story by heart by now um, but for example i went to japan and i saw these two girls and they had like an uh, a bit of merch on their bag so i immediately knew that they were army and i pulled out mine i i have like a little bit of merch with me as well so i showed them mine and they immediately saw me and we started talking and they don't know english i didn't know japanese but we figured it out we talked for like 30 minutes um and i traveled to a concert in wembley by myself and seeing army everywhere and getting to talk and interact and i met one of like this 50 year old woman there and she was super nice and she was from korea and two weeks later i was in korea and she picked me up from the airport took me to a restaurant took me to the hotel um it, it was like my mom was there like, like but a friend i guess or an aunt we just you have this immediately connection with people and and both in real life and online it's such a supportive community um, that I've never been a part of something like this. I, I've been a part of somewhat of fandoms, but I've never been on like social media and stuff. So, uh, I've never got to experience it and I have seen other fandoms and we talked before about, you know, the bad side of fandoms. Um, so, so every fandom has outliers and has the bad people, but if you curate your, uh, Twitter account right it can be such an amazing supporting place um, that yeah it's like a, it's a home all right well Omar I really appreciate you being on the podcast um, and thank you for joining me no problem this was fun <laughs> think what you may about BTS and their fans there's no doubt ARMY is having an impact Beyond the Twitter feuds, the majority of ARMY want to spread positivity and inclusivity. For many, it's provided an online community and even a unique sense of purpose.